Peace of Christ be with you. As we gather into this place, I invite you to slow down, to take a couple of deep breaths, allow your awareness to open up and recognize the presence of the Holy Spirit with us right here and right now. Friends, let us worship in beloved community. Please rise in body or spirit for the call to worship. We offer gratitude for the gift of Christmas. For what it meant in the beginning and what it means in our lives now. We lean into the promise of a new year. You may be seated. Welcome. Welcome to Westminster. It is good to be worshiping together on this first Sunday of the new year. If you're new to Westminster, a special welcome to you. I do invite you after worship into our Finley Hall, which is just straight out of the sanctuary and to the left. You can share in some coffee and tea and most especially a chance to get to know each other just a little better. Let's join together now in our community prayer. Let us pray. God of new beginnings, we give thanks for the Christ child and all the possibility that Christ ushers in. Having received this gift, let us about the work 
of making a way for God's love be born anew in the world. Give us, if we have consent, or too comfortable in old ways, open our eyes to see both the need and the opportunity before us, embolden us to work together to be a living witness to Christ in the world. Walk with us as we claim our identity together. Amen. Our prayers continue in quiet. Amen. Friends, as we begin this new year, know that God is leading us forward, opening us to new possibilities, renewing our hope, granting us faith to move ahead. For in Christ, we are forgiven and made new. Thanks be to God. Amen. And now as we continue in our prayer time, now is the time that we invite you to share the joys and the concerns that are on your heart this morning. So if you have something to share, I invite you to just raise your hand and let us know. Yeah, Michael. Yes. Amen. Yes. Thank, thankful for the rain. Absolutely. And you mentioned fires. Certainly we hold in our prayers those in Colorado who have been affected by the fires. Yeah. So. All right. Prayers of joy for a new lava lamp. Excellent. Yes. Those things never go out of style. Others? Joys or concerns? Yeah, Carol. Yeah, Mickey and Art Gray's grandson Peter died this past week. He's had about a two-year journey with cancer, and we certainly hold that family in our prayers. He was in his mid-20s. Yeah. Yes. Ah, Carol shares with us Desmond Tutu's words. He is not an optimist, but a prisoner of hope. Prisoner of hope. Amen. Yeah, Ruthie. Prayers for our, uh, one of our friends, Karen, who has recently had back surgery. Prayers for friend Karen, recent back surgery. Yes. Oh, yeah, Bob. Prayers for our nation as we approach the anniversary of January 6th. Yeah, amen. Ra Barbara's uh, noting that this week we approach the anniversary of January 6th and holding our nation in prayer. Yeah, Elizabeth. Amen. Uh, Elizabeth offers prayers for our school children, and I would include our teachers and staff as well as they return to school this week, especially for those young ones, five and under, who aren't yet able to be vaccinated. Just to pray that people may be safe. Yeah. Yeah, Ruthie. Prayer, pray for our care facilities, especially now experiencing staffing shortages, and pray for people to be called to that ministry of caring. Let's take a few moments in quiet, and then we'll uh, share the Lord's Prayer together. So let us pray. Gracious God, you hear our prayers, and we give you thanks. 
and hear us now as together we pray the prayer that your son taught us, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we forgive our debts. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power Amen. any of our children who are working with us. Join me here at the front. Awesome. You're the best one, Soul. Best of all. Well, Soul, you know, we got to be a part of a family tradition this year and where... Did, did you want to do this time of discovery? You, you, remember, you remember some of this. Uh, so... We get to be part of the family tradition this year that our family has for Thanksgiving, that we go to, this year we went to Philadelphia, outside Philadelphia, remember that? To my cousin Eric's house. And were there a lot of people there? And, and where you thought that, he, that you thought that Eric was doing great and then you thought- That's right, that's right. I, uh, there are a lot of large houses in his neighborhood and he doesn't live in one of those he lives in. <laughs> And the first time I went in his neighborhood, I thought, wow, he's really doing good. And then we found his house, and, which was a very nice house, but not. 
Anyway, so we got there and it was a tradition that every year our family from all different states gets together in one place for a holiday tradition. And I want to show you a, a movie clip. I shared this with the church last week of what, when something can go wrong and one of the best holiday Christmas movies of what could go wrong on a holiday tradition trip like that. So, here you go. Daddy, put that in, I think it's there. there we go. Oh, whoops, it's not. Oh, there we go. Start it over? Yeah, there we go. What's the matter? Honey? About what? Oh, the time of discovery is for the children. That we didn't do something. As long as you can see it. Uh, now you feel that way because we left in such a hurry. We took care of everything. Believe me, we did. Did I turn off the coffee? No. I did. Did you lock up? Yeah. Did you close the garage? That's it. That's it. I forgot to close the garage. That's it. Do you know what movie this is? Yeah. What movie is this? Home Alone. Home Alone. That's not it. Yeah. What else could we be forgetting? son behind on a trip on their holiday Christmas trip what if we left you behind what would you do where would you go oh um um I'd rent my own house you'd rent your own house <laughs> I'd get another house oh, man well guess what because I bought the money Could, you do I wish yeah. you would have shared it with me well, some of that it's because yeah. for, um, when they yeah. hide eggs you guys already have lots of money because you guys stole my, some of my money that I collected. That's right, we should. you got to pay rent in our house. So, well, did you know that Jesus was a little boy just like you and his family went his family went on holiday trips just like yours and unlike you but more like Kevin McAllister, his family left him once. Where do you think he would have gone? Well, you're going to find out when we go to Sacred Stories here in just a moment. So, go now in peace. Our first scripture reading this morning is from the prophet Isaiah. Listen for how the Spirit may be speaking to you through these words. It shall be said, build up, build up, prepare the way, remove every obstruction from my people's way. For thus says the high and lofty one who inhabits eternity, whose name is holy. I dwell in the high and holy place and all also with those who are contrite and humble in spirit to revive the spirit of the humble and to revive the heart of the contrite. For I will not continually accuse nor will I always be angry for then the spirits would grow faint before me even the souls that I have made. Because of their wicked covetousness, I was angry. I struck them. I hid and was angry. But they kept turning back to their own ways. I have seen their ways, but I will heal them. 
I will lead them and repay them with comfort, creating for their mourners the fruits, the fruit of the lips. Peace, peace to the far and the near, says the Lord, and I will heal them. This is holy wisdom, holy word. Thanks be to God. Before the second reading, I want to acknowledge the folks who are joining us from home. We'll probably see a little more of that for this next stretch of time. And we know that there are people in prayer with us right now, wherever they are, who will see this later. And we hold one another in community, even when separated by distance. The second reading comes from the letter of 1 John, the third chapter, just the first two verses. Continue to listen for what the Spirit may be saying to us today, gathered right here and right now. See what love the Father has given us, that we should be called children of God. And that is what we are. The reason the world does not know us is that it did not know him. Beloved, we are God's children now. What we will be has not yet been revealed. What we do know is this. When he is revealed, we will be like him, for we will see him as he is. Friends, this too is holy wisdom, holy word. Thanks be to God. January 2nd, the new year is here. It's the time when we think about new beginnings. When I read that reading from 1 John, I think of new beginnings, of starting, starting afresh. Part of the reason I do so is because the longtime and somewhat legendary pastor, John Buchanan of the Fourth Church in Chicago, whenever he baptized a child, would always hold up the child and say, see what love the Father has for us, that we would be called children of God, for that is what we are. A wonderful thing to remember at such a sacred time. For Christians, baptism is the ultimate sign of new beginnings, not just for the person receiving the sacrament, whether they're an infant or a teenager or an adult. But for us, baptism is a communal event because it's when the community gathers and promises to embody a different way of being, to embody Christ's way of being in the world. Well, you may be wondering then, on a day when we're thinking about new beginnings and starting a new year, we would also read a passage that talks about preparing the way from one of the prophets. Wait a minute. Didn't we just spend all of Advent preparing the way? And didn't, didn't we just have Christmas? Didn't Jesus actually come? Emmanuel, God with us, is with us? Time to paint the nursery is over, folks. What are we preparing for? Well, maybe it's one thing to prepare for the birth of Jesus and quite another to prepare for Christ to actually grow up and take residence in your life and in the life of the community, for that matter. For it's not just about us as individuals. Christianity is always encouraging us to think of things in terms of community. The language you hear in Isaiah about preparing the way, is about the people who had been in exile getting to come home. That's the context in which this passage is written. And so Isaiah says, remove every obstacle in their path so that they can finally come home. It might, for you, trigger a more familiar passage from Isaiah that may be more familiar to you because of the way Dr. King used to spiritualize it and preach it. When he talked about, and quoted Isaiah 57, about every hill and mountain being made low, every valley lifted up, the rough places made a plain, and the uneven ground leveled out. That, too, was language about literally preparing a way for a king. And to do that, you need to widen and flatten the road so the procession could make its way. And we, of course, spiritualize that and say that's the preparation for the Christ. And so I wonder, as maybe you turn your own mind toward new beginnings, 
how you're going to be making the necessary preparations in your life for the Christ to fully take up residence. What rough places need attention? What valleys are you facing or hills might be before you and what do you need to do in order to face them in a way that makes room for the Christ? And again, not just you, but how are we doing that as a people? How are we making a way? Well, just as I pray you're doing that in your own life and that we are doing that together as a body and a wider community, you should know that the, the church leadership has been doing that in a very intentional way for a couple of years now, starting what we've been calling a roadmap to our future, our shared future, strategic planning work of sorts. Now, I know strategic planning talk in a sermon really packs them in, but I, th I think you'll find as we talk about this more and more that it's, it's really worthwhile. That what we're trying to accomplish here takes some intention, and if we don't offer that intention, we'll probably fall far short of our potential. Now, this is work that actually started before the pandemic, but boy, COVID has only amplified the need for this kind of thinking, especially for an institution like the church. I probably don't have to tell you this, but the religious landscape is undergoing just seismic changes right now, as it kind of always feels like it is, but it is certainly true now. I, I read or heard a report just in the past week or so that I believe it's just to show you that this is not just about churches that look like ours, that the Southern Baptists have lost something like 2 million people since 2006. 60 churches a week they close, I believe. A massive change in the wider church. And so it behooves us to think about how can we reimagine what church life could be in a changing world. Brian McLaren is a former pastor, and he's an author, and writes about how faith and how churches evolve or fail to evolve more often than not. In a book that is really primarily about the journey through doubt in your own faith life, so you may want to check that out. There's a citation in your bulletin. He, he talks about the church for a section in a wider sense, and this is what he says. One question remains open. Will denominations and congregations in decline keep their heads down, obsessed with saving themselves in micromanaging their own decline? Or will they seize the destabilizations of the current systems as opportunities to give birth? I love that language around the time of Christmas, to give birth. To something fresh, needed, and new. While our denomination is in decline, I'm now speaking, not McLaren, well, the Presbyterian Church is in decline. Westminster is not. We can feel good about that or fortunate about that. But we shouldn't let that be a reason to allow us to become complacent and keep our heads down and micromanage our own success. Because I think by doing so, we actually miss an opportunity for something grander and fresher and more expansive and more inviting, that we could live into our calling more fully. I don't think we're maximizing our potential for growth, for example. Not for growth's sake. I'm not really interested in growth's sake. Frankly, I'm not interested in growth for budget's sake either, though I know that will get me in trouble with some. That doesn't quite have integrity in it. But what I think we're looking for Maybe a call. <laughs> Maybe from, who, take it, because it could be God. <laughs> Believe me, I've been that person, so let's, let's be gentle with each other. Okay? It's hard to get through this world with... I now have something attached to every device I have, so when I lose it, I can press a button and find it. Okay, so We're all just keeping our head right about here. You know? But um, the reason why I think we want to live more fully and intentionally into our calling is because we've been entrusted with this beautiful gift. And we get to share that with the world. 
And we get to experience it in a greater capacity when it is shared more widely. And what a wonderful, wonderful thing that is. And I think it's, uh, it's rather simple what we're trying to do, though trying to do it may be difficult. What we're trying to do, if you ask me, is to build community, to have a place where people can grow spiritually, and an outlet for people to better the world. It's that simple, but that beautiful, too. A place where people can find community. Your Calm app is wonderful, but it will not build community. It may lower your bl blood pressure. This is great. Go for it. Use it. But it's not going to build the kind of community that you can build face-to-face -to, -face to grow spiritually. Lots of people are anti-religious. Many of them go to church. But you rarely find people who are against spirituality, right? We're fundamentally spiritual beings. And the church can be a place that doesn't just say, believe in X or Y, or think like this, or you're out. The church can be this opening place where you're, you can develop a spirituality, where you can really grow and expand your consciousness in a life-giving and life-affirming way. Think how hungry people are for these things, how hungry they are for community, how hungry they are for an expansive spirituality. If you don't believe me, go to Spirit Rock some night, and you'll see how packed it is, because people are hungry. Okay? Find community, grow spiritually, better the world. Do I have to list the ways in which the world needs to be bettered? I mean, you're bombarded all the time, and you're made to feel helpless by all the places that are broken or hurting or mistreated or suffer injustice. So there's a lot of work to be done. But the good news is that's not exhausting work. Those of you who are deeply involved in it will know when you're working towards something meaningful, it's life-giving. We kind of perk up and come alive when we get to be about something that's bigger than ourselves. So it warrants us spending some time being intentional about how we can build a place where, we can, where folks can continue to, because you're already doing it, find community, grow spiritually, and better the world. As part of this Roadmap to the Future, one of the important milestones we uh, reached was coming up with a Christian identity statement. Now you'd be thinking, well, why would we need to do that? We know what it means to be a Christian. Well, do we? We're actually far better at saying what we're not about than what we are about in traditions like this. After all, we're called Protestants, for goodness sake. We named ourselves after what we're against. <laughs> and that's kind of all we do often. Uh, those of you who know Nicole Trotter for when she worked here, she's now a pastor up in Sonoma, would tell a funny story, at least in the office, about being at cocktail parties, either when she was working for the church or in seminary or both. And, she would have that awkward moment when someone says, well, what do you do? And she says, well, I work in the church. And then before they could run away, she had to reel them back in with a bunch of qualifiers. Uh, but we're not anti-gay. No, 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 evolution's okay. I mean, she's just chasing them down. You know. We don't think you're necessarily going to hell. Uh, all statements in the, about what we weren't, correctly perceiving what people assume we are. Nicole was very funny, but also profound, because what she was pointing out in that moment is, we don't know how to say what we are or who we are. So for us, it's really important to come with a, a clear articulation of the Christian faith, as we understand it, for two reasons. One, to better signal to the community out there, to better articulate for them who we are and what we're about. I don't want to hear anymore, we're the best kept secret. Uh, that's not a compliment, that's an indictment. I mean, it's sort of a compliment. So to communicate to the outside community who we are and what we're about, and to better guide our behavior in here, we're pulled in a thousand directions every week, people wanting us to do that or do this, constant, constant. But if we have a clear beacon of who we are, we can more easily say, oh, that seems worthwhile, but we're actually about this, so we'll wish you well. Right? Just be a little more focused on the inside. And so the elders, along with us, uh, worked with many of you over this past year to craft this and approved it last summer. And over the next several weeks, we're going to go by that, through that statement line by line and talk together. And as we do, we might find ways in which we'd like to evolve the statement. That's part of it, actually. 
so that at the end we can more succinctly and articulately, easy for me to say, share what we're about and who we are. And the purpose of this is not to just prop up some institution, some organization. What we're trying to do is expand upon this platform, build this open and welcoming space where people can encounter this life-transforming grace, this incredible sense of belonging and new beginning, where folks can start again, where folks can actually live into that mysterious reality that we are actually children of the living God. Wouldn't it be wonderful if everybody could experience that? That's the platform, the open space we're trying to continue to build here. Well, it was a literal platform and a literal open space that he was sitting on before an assembly of young people, he being the Pope, Pope Francis, this past year. It was an assembly of, of youth and children who'd come to have an audience with the Pope in South America. And at one moment, he was taking questions from the young people. And a little boy, about 11, came to the microphone. But when it was his turn to speak, he couldn't talk. And he started to cry. And he just kept saying over and over again, I can't, I can't. And so the gentle pontiff said, well, would you come and whisper it in my ear? And the boy nodded and climbed to the platform and, and walked over to where the Pope was sitting and got really close. At one point, you could see they had their foreheads together as they spoke, beautifully out in the open for everyone to see. And after they'd conversed for a while, the Pope asked the child if he could share what they had spoken about, and the child agreed. And he says, uh, this boy is, wants, is worried, and he wants to know if his father, who died in the past year or so, is in heaven. And he said, because he wasn't a believer, but he was a good man. He was a good man, I promise, the boy said. He had all four of us children baptized, and I want to know if he's in heaven. And so the Pope uh, wondered for a little while, what kind of love do you suppose God has? And he said, I suppose it's the love of a father. I think we would add a mother to that. And do you suppose that loving father, that loving parent, would let a heavenly loving parent, would want to keep that earthly loving parent far from himself? And then the Pope did this marvelous thing. He turned to the crowd, to the young people gathered there, and said to them, asked them, do you think God abandons his children when they are good? And the children shouted, no. And the Pope turned to the boy and said, pointing at the crowd, because the community has the answer, there's your answer, Emmanuel. There's your answer. But did you catch the boy's name? Emmanuel, God with us. If we want to have a platform for that kind of transformation, we have to know who we are, and we have to be able to articulate who we are to one another into the world. So we'll see you next week. <laughs> Deal. Amen.
You may be seated. As we prepare to join in the meal of communion, just a couple of logistics. Hopefully you either brought with you your own communion elements or you were able to get one of the single serve communion items as you walked in. If you still need one, just raise your hand. And I see someone there with a basket um, ready to bring the communion elements to you. So just keep your hand up and he will, he will make sure that you get those. Now we remember when we prepare for this meal that all are welcome, all are invited to share in this meal together. We also remember that Jesus invites us to the table in peace. Now we wanna to try to limit movement, so I invite you to stay where you are, but maybe stand and turn and wave, offer the peace of Christ to those around you. The peace of Christ be with you all. You know, most Presbyterians breathe a sigh of relief when we say just greet a couple of folks around you. So <laughs> you all are a different breed in a good way. You may be seated. So in this time of new beginnings, we remember that Christ invites to this table all who are ready to move beyond the limitations of the past, all who are eager to move in to the new things that God is doing in our midst. This is a day of new beginnings, time to remember and move on, time to believe what love is bringing, learn to rest the pain that's gone. And so this is an open invitation to come. Come and receive the bread that will sustain us as we embark on this new calendar year. All are invited to receive the sweetness of the cup as a sign of God's promise of abundant possibilities. All are invited to this meal, for all are forgiven their past regrets and invited into God's grace-filled future. Will you join me? God be with you. Lift up your hearts. Lift them to God. Let us give thanks to God. It is right to give God thanks. Let us pray. It is right and a good and joyful thing always and everywhere to give thanks to you, creator and renewer of all life. Time and again, you seek us out, breathing again the breath of life into the deflated places of our lives. And so we come to your table again to praise you and to taste yet again what your steadfast love can do. In faith we'll gather round the table to taste and share what love can this is a day of new beginnings. Our God is making all things new. Holy are you, O God, and blessed is your Son, Jesus Christ. He healed the sick, fed the hungry, ate with those others considered unworthy. Through him, faith and hope were born again for so many. For by the life and death of Jesus, God's mighty spirit now as then can make for us a world of difference as faith and hope are born again. Friends, in the night that he was betrayed, Jesus took bread, and having given thanks, he blessed it and broke it and gave it to them, saying, take, eat, this is my body which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, and he said, this is the cup of the new covenant which is sealed in my blood. 
It is poured out for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. Do this as often as you drink of it, he said, remembering me. This is the feast of God for the people of God. Let us now share in this feast together. share in our closing hymn together, just a few things to note for you. First, uh, we have been advertising a special epiphany gathering for next Sunday afternoon, uh, but with the uh, rise in COVID cases again, we're deciding that it is better to do as much as possible, not necessarily in person. So we are still going to do something to celebrate Epiphany, which is on January 6th, uh, but it will be online. It will either be on the 6th or it will be next Sunday. So stay tuned. We'll, we'll let you know about that, uh, but we're not going to gather in person for that. Um, second, I don't know if you noticed on the way in that our friend Caesar is here with us to serve as our sexton. Jesus is uh, in El Salvador for a month visiting friends and family there. So Caesar will be with us for the next month. So if you see him, many of you know him already. He fills in for us quite regularly, but definitely greet him and welcome him. Um, if you uh, are, if you think of it as you leave worship, if you had those communion cups, if you don't mind taking the empty cup out with you, we do have a garbage can out there. This makes it a little easier for our ushers when we are done. Uh, finally, for our closing hymn, we are actually going to sing hymn number 80, 80. Um, I promise you, we are still going to go out with joy. Um, <laughs> We're simply going to go out to the tune number 80 instead. Um, so with that, I invite you to stand as you are comfortable, and we will sing together. Indeed, hope you go out with joy, and as you go, may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, 
the love of God who is father and mother of us all in the sweet communion of the Holy Spirit may it be with you this day and every day. Amen.